Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble Out the door Beat out old trouble on drum Beat out old trouble on drum Beat out old trouble on drum And kick all trouble out the door Beat me that rhythm on the drum And kick old trouble out the door, kick him 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 out the door. Welcome to Radical Australia and Community Radio 3CR. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The world, my name's Joseph Toscano, and the world's second greatest producer, Kelly Whitworth, is with us today. How art thou, Kelly? I'm really well. I'm always here. <laughs> yeah, I know you're always here. You've got no place to live at. <laughs> this is your home. Don't you, <laughs> what you, don't you bunk you? upstairs? No, don't be silly. You don't? No. Oh. Now, I understand you've got an extraordinary guest for us today. Such an extraordinary, extraordinary Such guest. an extraordinary life that we need to do it in... Two, Two parts. parts. So today is part, part A. Part one, part yeah. A. How did you find this little fellow? Um, another guest, actually, we had on, on the show earlier in the year, actually recommended you, oh. uh, Percy. Yeah, I, I won't ask you who it was because you've forgotten, obviously. <laughs> David um, <laughs> David Leggett. Do you know him? Oh, David. No, yeah, no, he's a, I don't know him. He used to work at, show. He oh. was worked at the Austin for many years. He was another doctor. He knows about you. Yeah. No, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's famous. And you're wondering who, who this person <laughs> is. <laughs> we have in the studio Dr. Percy Rogers and his wife, who will act as fact. Checker, <laughs> Ros Rogers. <laughs> it's good to have you both here. Obviously, uh, Ros, just step in when he tells us when he tells us an untruth, because I understand he's a great lover of the furphy. I think that he invented the word. Irish background. That's what it is. Yeah. He did say to me once. He had confidence that I would always tell him the truth. <laughs> Ooh, he's a very brave man. Now, Percy, what year were you born? 1927. 1927. Yes. 1927. 19, not 18. But 19. 19 you said 27, not 47. 27. So that so, makes you 96? 96. In my 97th year. In your 97th year. Shouldn't you be pushing up daisies? Look, I decided not to. Right. I thought, damn it, you know, it's been an interesting life, so I thought I'd hang on to it. Excellent. Right. And where were you born? Born in Bustleton. In West Australia? In Western Australia, uh-huh. uh, on the coast. Um, my father was an engine driver and... Uh, he married my mother 
and took her down to where they were living in Caves Road. Uh, he lifted her up and took her into the house, or at least he hoped he would, but when he opened the door, he found that the builder hadn't put the floor in. Right. <laughs> so he couldn't carry over the threshold. No. <laughs> bit of an embarrassment for a... B- a terrible embarrassment for right. him. But he went back and fixed the floor and uh-huh. then... The builder or, or, or your dad? No, uh, oh, my dad was a carpenter. Oh, he, right. he could do it. Yeah. He actually was an engine driver, mm. but he's a very good carpenter as well. Right. And what was his name? John. John Alfred. Yeah, he's known as Jack right throughout the railways. Right. And how about your mum? What was her name? Olive. Olive Adelaide. Right. And and her, what a beautiful name. Uh, it was, it was, and she was a beautiful woman. Mm. She was a very devoted woman, mm. and uh, we got along well mm. for many years. Did you have any brothers and sisters? I had one uh, elder brother, right. and then a younger sister, and finally a younger than her brother. And what were their names? The first one was John. Known universally as Jack Rogers. Uh, the daughter was Rona. Uh, she kept her name and that was all she had. And the, the last one was Alex. Right. Alex Ward Rogers. Mm. Are any of them still <clears throat> alive? No, none of them. Right. Uh, they're all one way or another mm. in the great beyond. So how... <clears throat> What was your early childhood like? Have you got any memories? Yes, I have. I I was sent to the convent uh, in Bustleton uh, when I was very young. And, uh, what, uh, as, as a boarder? Or? Oh, no, 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 as a day student. Right. And uh, I don't remember very much about it, but I do remember the nuns. My father came from a Catholic family, uh, but he learnt... He was of Irish descent, came from a Catholic family and he learnt to have nothing to do with the church, with the Irish or with his own family because they were a bit silly. And and in fact, one of his father was uh, an ex-criminal. He uh, was a larcenist. A larcenist. And you don't hear that word these days. And they lived in Geelong. Mm. And when uh, the gold was found in Western Australia, he joined the throng rushing to get the gold. Right. He didn't get any gold, mm. but uh, he joined the Wolfies in right. uh, Fremantle and um, remained a Wolfie all his life. Was, was he a Wolfie or a lumper? Ah, yes, yes. good question, lumper. <laughs> yeah. He so, was a lumper. Yeah, because my father was a lumper. Oh, where? When, in, uh, in Brisbane when he first came to this land. He, of course. His first yeah. job was as a lumper. What is that? Oh, a lumper. Well. If someone, I ended up a lumper. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll tell you, we will come to that. Yeah? But uh, a lumper is somebody who carries the, the bags or whatever it is on their back. Mm. They don't have little trolleys or mm. mechanised what, what have you to carry the weight. They just lump it on their back. Yep. A lump it and see. They're a human conveyor belt. You can walk up and mm. down, up and down, with usually 
at least 100 pounds of whatever on your 190 shop. pounds, pounds. Yeah. in wheat. Yes. And when I was on the bagging tables mm. in the wheat belt, mm. uh, when I was about 16, uh, 17, uh, we had to walk up to the table and load the bag of wheat on our back, walk up the stack of wheat and dump the bag on the stack of wheat yeah. precisely yes. so the stack held together. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, mm. I well recall lumping. Yeah, the reason I ask you that question, obviously it's one of those professions that has disappeared with mechanisation, but if you ever go to the Waterside Workers Building in 46 Island Street, uh, you know, in the city there, um, you'll notice the Lumpers banner upstairs. What is that? The Lumpers Union's banner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had a Lumpers Union. So the Waterside Workers and the Lumpers had their own unions. They were two separate unions. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was yeah. extraordinary. So what was convent school like? I, I didn't really – I don't remember very much no. about convent. Mm. I just remember the pleasure I got from being in school there. And uh, I, I learned to love school. Uh, so when we got to Geraldton in 1933, um, we, uh, I went to state school <coughs> there, up there. Uh, I well recall the day we went to, we got to Geraldton. Dad's fireman had forgotten to book him into um, to a boarding house, mm -hmm. and we were walking up and down Marine Terrace, right. just knocking on doors, asking for uh, if we could sleep the night. We eventually got a, a boarding house who put us on the back lawn on mattresses. They just charged us for the mattress and the the. Uh, Blankets covering us and mm. threw the fleas in for nothing. Oh, really? Yes. Very, very fortunate. Oh, very kind. Usually you get charged with the fleas. Oh, you know no, that. we didn't that night. And, and, and then you get charged with the Ross River virus on top of that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you find that when you were in primary school that certain things interested you in, in your studies? I loved maths. I, I loved the, the maths and, and reading. When uh, we didn't have many books, we had five books in our house, and they were the same books that were there when I went to university. They were, they were the um, Bible, there was The Gorilla Hunters by R.M. Ballantyne, mm -hmm. a most interesting book, a jingoistic imperialist writer, but very exciting. And I love Boys' it. own annual stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And uh, then Rubbing Ease's Pain, which was a book that subserved uh, for uh, our medical treatment right throughout the, the years I was in, at, mm. in, at home, and uh, a couple of others. All the last days of Pompeii. The last days of Pompeii, yeah. It must have been a, a present, a wedding present, because yes. no one in their right mind would buy a book like that. Hang on, hang on. I'm, hist I'm an amateur historian. I'd like a book like that. Oh, well, you know? I'm sorry I didn't keep it for you, Joe. I, I, I remember you. Know. Put it in your will. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. So that's 
boy. <laughs> you know, that lad I, I leave the last days of Pompeii. Now, I'm going to ask you a really serious question. We ask serious questions. <clears throat> what version of the Bible did you have? Oh, it was the... <laughs> was uh, it King James? Uh, the King James. Yes, oh, yes. yes. Oh, good Protestant book. Oh, oh yes. yeah, that's right. Good yes. Protestant book and oh, a good Catholic oh, family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my mother was Protestant. <laughs> All right. And, uh, you were part of a mixed marriage. I was. That was a huge issue in those uh, days. No, it was solved very, very easily. What happened? By no one do- taking any notice of one side or the other. Right. <laughs> Mum tried to get us to go to church, but... Yes, uh, yes. Uh, something happened. You know, the, every every Sunday morning yeah. it was bike riding or yeah. football or was, swimming. Yeah. Uh, what was that rude ditty the Catholic kids or the Protestants used to it, shout? It jumped at each like frogs in and out of the water. There <laughs> <laughs> was this this constant. We we cannot imagine these days, Kelly. There was a conflict between oh, Protestants and Catholics. It was real. It was extraordinary. You know, the first riot that occurred in Melbourne in eighteen thirty nine, after uh, you know the illegal colonisation began here, three years after, was between the Greens and the Orange Lodge. I can well believe it's it. It's just un- unbelievable, unbelievable. My, my grandmother was a devout Catholic mm. and uh, she was a little chipper Irish biddy, yeah. uh, but devout <laughs> Catholic. Um, and uh, we had a lot of trouble with her. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't have approved of the marriage. Oh, Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no. Those proddy bastards, oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> they jumped like frogs in and out the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, high school. Did you go to high school? I went to high school in Geraldton. Now, I went to high school when it first started. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, principal of the high school, Mr Fowler, uh, Chuck Fowler, uh, tried to, to make the high school prestigious. Mm-hmm. He wanted to elevate it. So he insisted we wear coats. Now, I'd never had a coat in my life. So he said, you'll have to go home and get a coat. And I went home to mum and said, can I... She said, I'll write a letter. Uh, that'll be all right. So she wrote a letter first hasn't got a coat, would you excuse him? And uh, took it back and they said, no, you you will not be permitted into this school unless you have a coat. So she went back and said I could have the, the uh, I think it was the fruit money or something mm. like that to go and buy a coat, gave me 10 bob. And I went down to Marine Terrace and bought a coat no, I never wore it. Right. <laughs> I took it back to school. I wore it to show Chuck yeah. Fowler yeah. I had one, took it off and wrapped my football boots in it. And that was it? That was it. Well, can I tell you a coat story? It's almost as good as that. Yeah. In 1979, I was giving the expert medical evidence in, <coughs> in an assault case. I think it was a rape case. <laughs> in uh, I think it was the county court here in Melbourne. And being a Queensland lad, I wasn't aware of the protocols here in the land of, uh, you know, the Liberal Party in those days. Oh, yeah. And I walked into the county court without a coat. <gasps> and the judge says, get out. I'm not, I don't care who you are. I'm not hearing evidence from you unless you've got a coat. 
<laughs> so oh. I went out and the detective gave me his coat. <laughs> and I put on his coat and went back in and gave my evidence. That's how ridiculous. Oh, this is ridiculous stuff, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. There was a degree of humiliation in all of that because you were made to walk up the, the steps oh, in front of the school. Yeah. Oh, yes, there, there was, it was humiliating to yeah. front up because he and the, the deputy principal were waiting for me at the top of the stairs mm. and they watched me come up the stairs and then they said, back. Right. And then I went back and got the coat mm. and then had to march up the, scare, the stairs again wearing the coat mm. until I got in the classroom and took it right. off. Now, when you were 12 or 13, there was the outbreak of World War yes. II. Do you remember that? Vividly, vividly. We were very scared the Japanese would invade and we did everything to... Uh, to stop that sort of thing, not that we could have done anything. But uh, I do recall a Japanese submarine came into the jetty and no girls were allowed to go down to, to look at it. We all rushed down right. and watched these small men speaking a, a, a language we couldn't understand, couldn't hear, understand a word of it. And they were scuttling around doing this, picking up water, and and then uh, they dived down and disappeared. And we, saw, and we were dead scared. They were surveying the coast to eventually. Mm. And we had three times the sirens went late at night. We had to... Uh, scramble out of bed, run up the sand hills, and crouch behind a bush. Up, how on earth would prevent us from being hit? I don't know. <laughs> you didn't even have sandbags and holes to go down. The sand down. it was the sand, sand hills the... we were running up to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know we're laughing, but obviously the people of northern Western Australia took a real. They were, yeah, many, they were many. I think terrible. hundreds died from the bombings. It's terrible. Yeah. But we we uh, were told there were Japanese planes going over Jordan mm. and scanning it, and we were convinced we were. Mm. So we were had a train waiting apparently, mm. and we had a, a knapsack with uh, water, uh, with some biscuits in it, and that was hanging on the end of our bed. Mm. And uh, at school we. Uh, had dual lessons to get under the desks in the case of an air, air attack. Uh, two boys, myself and, and um, uh, one other lad, decided that there'd be only one person in the school who would, or the classroom, who would panic. And we decided we would deal with this. Right. And the way we would deal with this, as soon as the sirens went and the invasion were on, we'd knock Peter Farrington out. Right. And, and, and he wore glasses. Yes. So he was yeah, know, a good, good, yeah. suspect. Suspect, yeah. Mm. Yeah, typical, typical boy, <laughs> typical, typical Lord of the Fries behaviour, <laughs> or Lord of the Flies, I should say, behaviour, not Lord of the Fries, getting confused there. So <clears throat> did you know any uh, men and women that uh, from your area that went to fight overseas? Yeah, I, I, I do recall uh, I went down for a holiday at Rolleystone and... Uh, 
my dad's cousin uh, had us as guests in her orchard for a while and there was a very big send-off to a few boys who were going overseas had joined and uh, one, the, our relation, uh, cousin Minnie's son, uh, was captured uh, ended up in a concentration camp and died mm. and that was a very sad event for that district. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that uh, over 25,000 Australians from a population of around 5 million died during the Second oh, World yes. War and mm. uh, it was quite a horrendous situation because mm. it wasn't like the First World War where it was over there, it was over here mm. and uh, mm. obviously with the censorship we weren't mm. aware of what, people weren't aware of what was going on in northern Australia. Mm. Mm. So, what year did you finish high school? I finished uh, high school in uh, nineteen forty-three. Mm. Uh, I had to finish high school two years before that. Actually, we didn't have very much money in the house and I had to go start work when I was 15, which uh, I did. And it led to an event that I've never forgotten and I feel very uh, strong about it. Um, I packed my bags. Uh, I had one suitcase and it wasn't very heavy and uh, went down the street in we're living in Narragin at the time I went down to the station dad was working in in the shunting yards shunting all night and I knew he was on duty I didn't expect him to to come and see me off mum and the the rest of the other kids were in bed so they didn't see me off so I walked down alone got on the station and then I went into a a dog box, yeah, a carriage, mm-hmm. and uh, sat down on the seat. Dad came in to say farewell, and I jumped up to say farewell to him, and I didn't know whether to hug, hug him or what to do. So he, we shook hands, mm-hmm. and he gave me ten bob. Mm-hmm. He, he said, do you want to wish me good luck? And then walked out and I have longed to hug him Mm. but men never hugged each other in those days No, no. we just stood off and Mm. I know it broke his heart to see his son going off Mm. to start work and with nothing but ten bob in his pocket but he couldn't do anything about it and uh, I've always thought what a regret. So when I had to look after two boys in my life, I instituted the system of two. every boy needs two hugs a day. Right. And, and the, when I started, they'd bend forward and just sort of barely... Yeah, it's funny, put, what's this bloke on about? <laughs> and uh, now they're great huggers. Yeah. They yeah. really love well, it. Well, that would have been unusual during... Uh, how, how old... What years? This is in their 50s? Or? Uh, this, when I taught them to mm. hug, mm. was a bit later. Yeah, a yeah. Later. Even then it would have been unusual. Yeah, yeah. So you eventually finished high school. 
uh, I, I went down to Perth and got mm. a job in um, Elder Smith. Right. I walked into uh, Perth. I was 15. Went in and saw Mr. Foreman, who was the manager. And it wasn't until I mentioned that uh, my uncle, Percy Burton, sang at the Masonic Lodge that he evinced any interest whatsoever. Did you? But I got the job. Was that suggested to you, or did that just Uh, come off the top of your head? Percy Burton (laughs) told me to tell him. (laughs) (laughs) So he's saying the Masonic handshake was still around. (laughs) Too right. (laughs) So I got a job as a correspondence boy. Uh I was 15, Mm. and uh, it was a full time job. And the, but I was going to go to high to night school, mm-hmm. so I went down to night school from there and enrolled in English, in uh, maths, a uh, maths and physics and history, uh, and four subjects which I thought I could do e- easily, and, uh, and I worked at. Uh, Elder Smith during the day in the correspondence room. Mm, mm. Now, the correspondence room was incredible. It was a long desk and the letters would come down and shoot at one end and then the, the correspondence boys would take them and sort them uh, whether they had to go and be uh, taken by person around Perth or whether they could be uh, posted. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ones that were uh, had to be delivered were delivered by foot by the correspondence boys. They were just... Oh, you had to earn your wage, mate. Well, right. <laughs> but what really got me was it was uh, run... Elder Smith was run like a private school. Right. And all the boys there were dropouts from Hale. <laughs> and they they favoured the private school boys. Yes, yes. Uh, and also to the Masonic boys yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Hale school boys uh, were, were used to the stratification of, of uh, uh, the pupils. Yes. And this went on in Elder Smith. Oh. So in the, the piss hour, you had to <laughs> wait. Uh, in a, there was a seniority <laughs> queue there. Yes. So if you were a lowly correspondence boy like myself, mm. you just had to hang on and uh, have know. a wee when it uh, became your turn. You never got you never got a wet shoe out of it, did you? Um, I'm not going into that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So so when you finished high school in 43, 
43? <laughs> no, halfway through that year, that right. I'd saved up five pounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got 17 and 9 pence a week, my weekly wage. But I made extra money by helping to unload cattle and sheep and pigs mm-hmm. from mid- in Midland Junction to right. sale yards. And we had to go down early one morning, go down by train and start work to unload all the the sheep and pigs and God knows what out of the 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 uh, uh, rakes of trucks yep. and put them in the sale yards to be sold and then we had to take them back and put them into the trucks again for their destinations yes. mm. where they were sold to. Mm-hmm. Um, this for this we got no money but. Ten and six, which paid for three meals and our fares there and back. They they weren't uh, uh, very good. Really, weren't unionised, were they? Not really. <laughs> no. And uh, uh, we had given we were given bits of hose, yes. which we whacked the the Cattle pigs with. on the, yeah. the nose with to, Ooh, to get yeah. them out of the yeah. the trucks yeah. and. Uh, Anyway, by August I'd had enough of this and I applied for another job at the university where they were giving uh, two afternoons off a week mm. and I had to resign from Eldersmith. I took the job at the university in the chemistry department where just washing bottles yep, and yep. making up solutions. Mm. Uh, so... so <clears throat> is that when you finished high school? No, no, no. Well, that no. goes on and on. <laughs> no, this was only in the year year ten. Year you ten. You went up to it's year uh, ten. Uh, so you 11. went up to year. Did uh, you do year eleven uh, and twelve? I know. Well, on year eleven, that yeah. was I was doing year eleven. Right. So I had to do year twelve. Right. So I saved up five quid. Mm. Sent that to mum mm. and said. Would you lend me five pounds so I can go back to school and uh, finish the year? Only year eleven. Mm-hmm. They, she very kindly did that, and I went back to Northern High School, uh, where I had attended. Uh, that's another story. Uh, I went back there and boarded for twenty-two and six a week, and went to Mrs. Uh, uh, O'Rourke and Mrs. O'Rourke very kindly, O'Loughlin kept three three students packed in one room Right, and we had three beds. It's a little bit like today isn't it? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it exactly. Yes. Yeah, it hasn't changed. It does. Pack and pack. Exactly. You know, kind of. I just make an observation. It's amazing you remember the cost of Things like your boarding amount. How do you remember that? Oh, it was painful, it was painful you, at yeah. the time. It was oh, painful right. at yeah. the time. Yeah. I watched. Do you know that led to my greatest humiliation? Twenty. Uh, I allowed myself twenty-five shillings, paid twenty-two and six for board, and I had two and sixpence to live on for during the week. Mm. 
Now, I was a senior student when I went back, mm. so I've rapidly got into my dismay. I not, found not gambling. I was liked by the, some of the, the other students, and we all went down the street after school to have a milkshake. Oh the milkshake cost sixpence. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't – I had two and six a week and uh, if I had two milkshakes, that was almost half my allowance. So Here I was thinking you were going to go down to the pub and spend your two and six. You told no, me you went to the shop to buy milkshakes. I, we, we, that's oh. where we – well, we, you know, I mean, it was a group of boys and uh, you'd uh, show any uh, old magazines which had a few salacious images yeah, in it and yeah, yeah. tell some muddy yeah. jokes. And, yeah, uh, that's all, radical Australia. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. radical. Well, that was radical there. <laughs> so – when did you finish year 12? <laughs> right. Then I, I had to, at the end of that year, I had to make money to finish year 12. Mm. So I went and worked on the wheat bins. Right. And the wheat bins paid an adult wage. I got there by putting my age up four years. Don't tell anyone for God's sake. No, that. we won't. No. Okay. no. Nobody listens to the program. You can tell us whatever you like oh, and nothing will oh, happen. Look, I can so, guarantee it. Oh, I'm so <laughs> I am so glad off. I've been worrying about it. I've been worrying about it for years. Uh They they put me into a a siding uh, called my Lions Camp. Yes. Um, And my workmate was um, a man called um, uh, Matey Brown. Mm. Now, Matey Brown could talk the leg off an iron pot. Mm. He was... I reckon, I'd be be, I reckon I'd be better than him. Well, you may be. I'd, you <laughs> well, you're back. very silent at this point, Joe. <laughs> well, it's... I don't know. The, the, the chatting Percy's is... Percy's iron pot. No, the Percy, it's about Percy. It it's not about me or you <laughs> or Kelly or the listeners. It's about Percy. Oh, well. <laughs> so we'll let him... But occasionally I will be a bit rude and I'll say, let's move on, Percy. Year 12, I want to hear about when you graduate. Right, well, <laughs> year 12, I went back, uh, then <coughs> gradually picked up all the work. Mm. Um, I studied very hard. In fact, I studied all night uh, sometimes. Um, the uh, physics teacher said uh, in his uh, reference that I had remarkable powers of concentration. I didn't quite know what he meant by right. that at the time, mm. but uh, I thought it was rather good. It's to still remember. true now. <laughs> no, it's not. It <laughs> Wish it was. At 96, he's still uh, the same concentration. Uh, then uh, I went back and I got in, I did leaving, mm-hmm. and I got a distinction in mathematics. Right. And there were only 11 distinctions throughout the state. And That's the private in, and the state sector. Private and, and state. state. Mm. In our class, Lorden High School, there were four distinctions in mathematics. That's amazing. Well, I that, that principal knew something when he told you. To, is this the same school where he told you to wear a coat or a he different did. one? Makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Yeah. You wouldn't have got the four distinctions, no. you know that. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I knew I'd get in. Now, when I got the news, though, I was working on a roofing gang. We were roofing 
uh, wheat that had been uh, piled up mm -hmm. uh, for sale. But in 1942-43, the uh, wheat was not sold overseas. It couldn't be. No one was buying it. So the wheat had piled up and been there for over a year and the, it got the bottom part it got rotten and stank. Worse, the smell was something. We had to to bag the good wheat, and I was employed bagging it on a bagging gang. And this is how I know the lumping, because the wheat weighed 190 pounds. And when we had bagged the wheat, we had to get, jump down from the table put it on our back and take it up the wheat stack and, and uh, throw it. And we had one chap who was blind. We were very worried, uh, a Scottish chap, I do mm -hmm. recall. And um, he was, he, his greatest joy was when he found a pair of glasses in the, in the wheat. <laughs> but he was semi-blind. We, yeah. we were very frightened he was going to fall off the gangplank. Well, I'm, I'm amazed, you know, because the best pension in Australia in those days was the blind pension. Which came in during World War One. I'm oh, amazed he, he wasn't on the blind bench. Not at all. No, no, he declared he was not blind. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason. <laughs> but anyway, I got into a quota, and that this is under the Commonwealth Financial Assistance Scheme. It paid all your university fees, and it gave you an allowance per week, and you could study. Yeah. It was just heaven. So and what did you decide to study? I decided I would study science. So I did psychology or no, I must tell you it wasn't quite as straightforward as that. I did um, physics, mathematics, chemistry, geology, four subjects. And uh, because board was very tight in Perth, I went to what's called St George's College. Mm -hmm. And St George's College was a residential college. It had did have lessons, but what, I had a room, and to my joy, it was just one room away from the library. Right. With piles of books, you could read them. It was beautiful. Anything on Pompeii? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right. Now, yeah, I think I'm interested in is by 1945. 45, yes. You would have been, what, 18? Yes. So, was right. conscription an issue for you? Yes, it was. Uh, and this is this has led to tragedy. At, in August 1945, uh, the phone rang in St. George's College. And it rang and rang at four in the morning and kept ringing. And I just, I woke up and woke me up and I thought, I wish Christ somebody would answer that phone. Mm. And the, the warder of the college answered the phone. And then within two minutes, there was a knock on my door. Rogers, you'll have to go home. Your father's had a heart attack. Mm. And I, so I got all things together and I caught the train and I went home. 
and Dad was in hospital, uh, and it was a severe, and he died. Right. Uh, How old was Dad? Uh, he was 52. 52. Mm. And it was a tragedy. And uh, then I went back to, to study after the holidays, and I couldn't study. I just, tears would well up in my eyes as I tried to read. And uh, what made it worse, uh, my grandmother had said, had thought to herself, how does Jack, my dad, afford to send a boy to university? Mm. He's using uh, some sort of money. Mm. And she thought he was diddling something. And she got the cops to investigate. <laughs> so she charged my mother right. with murdering my father so as to send me to university. university. Right. This was the, the she was, as, as I said, a bigoted Irish biddy. Mm. You can't believe mm. and. That was part and parcel of that term. Did the did the police take any interest, or they oh, did the detectives came down from Perth to interview my mother, and we were interviewed, and oh, it was a, and then Dad's brother turned up, eyeing the place for what he could get, oh. and then put in a legal claim for Dad's watch that had been handed down to Dad by his own father. father right. So no wonder your father didn't want to have anything to do with his family. No. He knew. He, he knew what mad. they were like. They were yeah. mad. Yeah. Anyway, the upshot is I failed that year. Mm. And I just I, I, I just failed. I couldn't do... And a very kind doctor came and supported me. And uh, he... Dr Jacobs. Dr Jacobs came in and battled with the welfare officer at the university and said, look, for for God's sake, you know, mm. this is something which is beyond it. You tell them the student was grease-sticking. Um, I got reinstated and... Uh, since then, I've never failed a university right. exam. So I did science degree with honours. And in honours, I started to wake up to what was going on in the world. And I'll tell you, how are you going? You, you, no, look, don't you worry. You just keep talking. Um, I would... <laughs> like Bielke Pearson would say, don't you worry, don't you worry. <laughs> you sure you wouldn't like to say a word? <laughs> no, it's not, not my job to say a word. My job is to extract information out of you. That's my only job. Well, I'd, let me know if I talk too much. My wife lets me know. <laughs> well, well she, that's why she's there. I'm, I'll leave that up to her. I mean, I, I do try direct the conversation, but uh, no, no, no. The thing is... At this type of chatting, I don't even call it an interview, you say things that you would normally not have said, not even written yes, down in the books, yes, yes. And, and that's what this is about. Yes. So keep going. So did you finish your science degree? Well, I finished my science degree, and then I thought, 
how can I change society? Mm-hmm. I thought through education. So the next year I did an education degree, education. The next year I enrolled for education one, education two in English, plus an honours degree in psych. I, that'll, I thought I could do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Can I ask you, why did you want to change the world? I had just come through uh, and experienced a depression. I, you would have ex- not experienced a depression. But in Australia, uh, we were not quite on the receiving part, but we, during our stay in life in Geraldton, uh, Dad was always in a job which didn't pay very much as a railway engine driver. But uh, other people in our street were unemployed and they were given five shillings a week in sustenance. Mm. Five shillings a week. And that was their wage for being sent and making roads and digging ditches and Mm. God knows what. And I saw the distress... The, the clothes they wore, mum supplied a lot of soup and up and down our street. In fact, we provided soup like you to have a cup of tea. You, if somebody comes into your house, then would you like some soup? Mm. Because we knew they would not have eaten. Mm. So it was, the depression hit very hard in Jordan. So just prolonged. People forget, I think the depression was just the 1920s, but it just went on oh, and no, on and no, on. No, 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 no. Mm. And then there was the war. Yeah. And, uh, and people were being killed. And uh, we were defending, I realised we were defending the British Empire. The uh, Menzies was sending our planes over to supply Britain with planes to fight a war on the continent of Europe and leaving us undefended when we knew the Japanese were going to come down and attack us. And when the Japanese uh, were bombing Darwin, in the early phases we had, I think, six Wirraways training planes left in Australia. Uh, we, we were full of that sort of of uh, resentment mm. as to the, mm. and I imbued that, and I re- reflected on it when I went to university. Um, so it was, I, I'd had many occasions, and then uh, on one occasion, I was passing through a little alleyway in in Perth. Um, there was St George's. I don't, what's the name of that place? Oh, the Lond- was it London, London no, Court. Yeah, London, London Court. Court. Mm. And I came across a bookshop and they had a book there by a bloke called Lennon. Lennon. And, and I, don't know him. Never heard of him. And I, I, <laughs> I started to read it. His first name wasn't Vladimir. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you must have been going to the same shop. I must have got I think you're right. <laughs> and I thought, this place full of 
good sense. He was talking about the state and the working people and mm-hmm. and uh, the exploitation and so on. I thought, God, he... So I went back the next day and I um, picked up a book by somebody called Emily Burns, What is Marxism? Mm. And I thought, Marx, what Marx was made here? No Marx anywhere here. Yeah, and only Groucho Marx, that's the only uh, Marx you know. one I'd yeah. heard of. Yeah. So I read him, what, read Emily Burns, What is mm. Marxism? Mm. And they spoke about this other chap... Uh, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Marx and Engels. Nice. And uh, so I thought I'd better read this, you know, this is something. Mm. So I started to read it and I realised that uh, I was re- really supporting socialism and I became a very devout socialist. And <clears throat> then realised if I. Uh, was really serious about this. I better join the Communist Party, mm. which I did, and which, which was a quite a prestigious outfit in those days, because uh, they'd uh, the government. <coughs> I think it was the Labor Party needed their support basically they, to win the election. Yes, they and did. change the direction of the war. They did. Mm. Uh, what year was that? That would have been which a year, which election? W- this would be when Menzies was thrown out. Uh, oh, this was 1940, Churchill and Mendes had agreed mm. that all the uh, the troops that were we'd sent over to the Middle East could be uh, sent to Burma to yeah. defend Burma. Mm. Curtin got on the phone to Churchill and had a blazing row with him uh, <coughs> to send the Australian troops home. So the 7th Division, the 9th Division and the 8th Division Mm. was sent onto boats and came back, started to come back. Mm. But the 8th Division was diverted and went was sent against Curtin's good feelings mm. to, Bur- for, to Malaysia, where, or Malaya then, uh, where they were captured by the Japanese. That's right. They tried to defend mm. Singapore. Yeah, to no avail. And ended up yeah. in... Uh, well, I, I, think, I think people forget how... <coughs> how difficult politics was in those days. And Menzies, everybody talks about Menzies' legacy. Oh. And he hasn't got a legacy, no. as far as I'm concerned, and as far, obviously as far as you're concerned, but people don't talk about Curtin and Chifley, although it was Keating that once you know, said, you know, it's not about Anzac Day, it's about what happened in New Guinea and the defence mm. of Australia that, that's important. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Curtin was a very clever, very mm. devout man. Mm. And then uh, when Curtin died, Chifley took over and uh, he was a, a staunch man. Mm. Well, that's part one. <laughs> and we've only got to about 20 so part two next week, Percy. Good heavens. And could you please bring the fact checker?
<laughs> Roz, Rogers into the studio because I'm a bit okay. concerned about uh, a lot of your the stuff you're talking about. But uh, you'd agree that it's all uh, oh, yes. true and correct? Well, I've heard it before. Have you? All of it? You've heard it? You've yeah, heard, yeah, yeah you've I've heard, heard it. it. I, and I, I do believe it's totally true. True, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, the only thing I feel he underrated was how well he did at school because yes. he was very clever, very brilliant and mm. did really well academically. Well, right. it's very hard in those days when you didn't have free education mm. for mm. a lad from a working class family to actually mm. get to university. Mm. It's not like the 70s where we got mm. free entry. Mm. I mean, I was a, I, re, I received a Commonwealth scholarship mm. before so free entry. Yeah, it's a yeah. similar thing. But mm. the thing is, you know, it, it was extraordinary after mm. the war or mm -hmm. during the war mm. for somebody to go through high school, mm. get those degrees go on to university, mm. and uh, we must thank Dr. Jacobs, was it? Dr. Jacobs. Yeah, now. yeah for looking after you and getting yes, you that extra. Yes, and obviously you've repaid him fully. I, I hope so. But yeah. didn't doc, Dr. Jacobs also have an ASIO file as well? Cause oh, yes. Him. He must have been a member of the Communist Party. He was. Yeah. He, was. <laughs> he must have seen a good recruit in yeah, you. Yeah. Well, Percy, I know you've got a few books. Um, I think next week what we'll do is when we start the program, we'll uh, actually uh, talk about the books and where people can access them. And uh, we'll see how much of your life we can go through next week. Thank you very much, a pleasure. Percy. Thank you very much, Rose. Thanks, Joe. Thank you very much, Kelly. Thanks, Beautiful. Kelly. We'll see you next week. We know you love listening to 3CR. But we also know that many of you haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet. The app lets you tune in anywhere and share the station with your friends. So, show the love and share the love and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. needs members to survive. By becoming a subscriber, you're helping us to remain fiercely independent and free of commercials and corporate influence. Are you a paid-up subscriber? It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity. Great value for 24-7 community-owned and community-controlled media. Please become a subscriber member today. Call the station on 03-9419-8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. CR is community owned and operated and because of its subscriber base, it is free of any financial dependence. Help to sustain a truly independent radio service by subscribing online at www.3cr.org.au or by ringing the station on 9419 8377 and pressing 1 on the keypad to subscribe. <laughs>